welcome. We're so excited to have you guys here. This is week three of what we're calling Final Four. And so tonight, we're going to dive right into it. Now, I don't know if you've been with us just this is your first time. I know we have some people here that are first-time guests, and we're excited to have you. Or maybe you've been here for this entire series. No matter what, we're just so excited to have you. And what we've been doing is we've been making our way through the last or the final four books of the Old Testament. And today, we're going to jump in to a book called Zechariah. Now, last week, we read about a guy named Haggai. Now, Haggai and Zechariah, you're going to see, were instrumental in helping the Jews rebuild Jerusalem. And so if you want to turn to Zechariah, mine is page 766, go for it. But you'll see that it's divided into kind of two big sections. And the first eight chapters kind of deal with the rebuilding that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. And then the last six chapters look forward to the future. Specifically, it talks about the prophecies of Jesus who is still to come on the road. And so it kind of gives us a nearsighted and farsighted version of things that are still to come that we'll see about today. Now, if you've been reading along with us and you've been doing the daily reading program that we've been doing, you've seen that Zechariah has eight kind of visions of things going on. And I'll tell you, they are crazy things that Zechariah sees. There's things in here like a guy riding a horse is another guy that's going around measuring the entire city of Jerusalem. And I wish I could stand here and tell you I'm an expert and I knew exactly what was going on in this book. But like I said a couple weeks ago, it's important to really study the Bible and to learn a little bit more about it. So I'm going to tell you there are times where I just had to go to my computer and Google stuff. And it was like, what in the world is happening in Zechariah chapter 3? So if you try to read with us and you've been lost, trust me, I'm right there with you. And so today, we're going to kind of help you a little bit. Now, over the course of, of what you've been reading, tonight we're going to focus on the fifth of the eight kind of visions that he has. And so the fifth vision that he has is there's this gold lampstand and there's a bowl of oil on the top of it. And then it has these two olive trees that are growing next to it. And basically when I was trying to find out what in the world that meant, it was talking about the rebuilding of the temple and what was going on here. And that God would bless it, but he couldn't do it on his own without the Holy Spirit helping him throughout that. Now, over the last two weeks, I've tried to give you an overview of both Zephaniah and Haggai. And we've done this really expansive study on those two books of the Bible, but tonight we're going to do exactly the opposite. Tonight, I just want to read to you one solitary verse that we're going to find in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And so they're talking about this fifth vision, this lampstand with the two olive trees growing next to it, but here's the verse I really want to take a look at tonight. It says in verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So just to kind of give you a heads up on here, 50,000 Jews had returned from Babylon. We've talked about that. And so they're starting to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They're starting to rebuild the temple. But as they're going here, they looked around and it's full of rubble. It's full of broken walls. And they're looking around here and they're starting to wonder, how could we ever do this? And in some ways, they're looking and thinking about the legacy of their fathers, the legacy of their family that had failed to follow God. And now they were in this predicament that seemed really overwhelming because just a few chapters before in Zechariah chapter one, verse four, it says, don't be like your fathers who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophet said to them, 
This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. So basically what God is saying here, don't plug your ears like your parents did. Don't keep doing the bad stuff that you were doing, ignoring everybody who's come along your way that's telling you to turn from your ways. Now, some of us in here, we have amazing parents that are amazing examples of ways that, man, we could follow after God, ways that we could model after our lives. But I know there's some of us in here that we don't have that. And that's exactly what they were talking about right here. There were parents that had not set a good example. And sometimes I think we fall into the trap of of kids, and even I have a mom or dad, and sometimes we think, well, the life that my parents lead will be the the life that I lead, or their destiny will end up being my destiny. And I've often said it before, just because you were born in it doesn't mean you have to stay in it. I was meeting with somebody just recently, and they were sharing some of the things that they were going through with their mom. And their mom doesn't really want them to come to church. It's not a great influence. And I was, as I was sitting across from her, I said, man, just continue to show Jesus to her. Just be an example to her. Because the greatest thing that you can do when your parents are not on the same page with you in terms of coming to underground or coming to church or studying God's word or praying is to be the best example of Jesus that you could possibly be. Because your attitude will be the biggest witness that any piece of scripture could ever give to them. Just while you're there, be respectful even when you don't agree with them. Even when they're saying things that are hurting you, man, still show the love of Jesus wherever you go because how you handle conflict shows less about who you are and more about who God is in your life. And so that's what they were doing right here because maybe it starts with you. Maybe you're the only person following Jesus in your family. But I'll tell you, people start to ask questions. You'll start to rub off. And they'll see that, man, even though maybe everything's breaking out against you, if you can stay focused on what Jesus has called you to be, if you can share the love of Jesus wherever you go, watch to see what things start to happen. You see, the course of history is often changed by the faithfulness of just one person. And if that's you and your family right now, lean into all that God wants to do in and through you and start to see what happens in your family as well. Because you see, it says here in chapter 4, verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings because can I tell you many great things start small one of my favorite things in the entire world is cookie dough ice cream thank you you're my people right there now I I don't know because growing up there was not cookie dough ice cream that's like I'm like old like you're looking at me in black and white right now but growing up, I did not have that. And I was like, what has happened? And, I, and so here are the things that I do in my spare time is I Google, how did cookie dough ice cream come to be? And so what happened is Ben and Jerry, to you kind of know, they have stuff in, in the grocery store. They had this one store that they started off. And somebody had come in and they had said, you know, you should really try making ice cream that have pieces of cookie dough in it. And they did it. And instantly, it became their top seller at their store. And what started to happen is, as they opened more stores, they started selling cookie dough ice cream at every single one of those stores. And now, you can go pretty much everywhere. There's cookie dough everything. I go to Walmart, it's there. Now, I'll tell you right now, this is going to sound, we have this place in Pekin called Double D's. That sounds really like an appropriate. Every time I say Double D's, they're like, where are you going? Um, But it has the greatest cookie dough in the history of the world. They have these things called Arctic Swirls that are like blizzards. 
and they put the cookie dough in there. But then they put like a massive scoop, and see all my Pekin people are with me right now. Then they put a massive scoop of cookie dough on the top. It is like heaven in the cup, I'm telling you. But I'll tell you, that started off small. It wasn't one of those things that just automatically took off. You see, I was reading about a guy named Steve Jobs. He started Apple, and many of us that are here have have an Apple AirPods, we have an iPhone, we have an iPad, we have an iMac. But you see, I've read many, many books and seen many movies about Steve Jobs, but it actually started him and his friend working on computers, building computers in Steve Jobs' parents' garage. And now they are worth $1 trillion, but it all started with a small idea. It started with a small beginning right here. You see, oftentimes things start small. And I was thinking about this message this past weekend, and I was outside, and it was so nice out. And uh, we are one of the few houses in our neighborhood that has kids. And so when we're outside, people know we're outside. And uh, we live next door to this older, retired couple, a man and wife. Their kids have long moved out. And they have this garden that is beautiful. Like, legit, sometimes we'll go to them and be like, hey, we need some pictures taken for Mother's Day. Can we just come in your backyard and take pictures? Like, sure. Our garden um, is non-existent. We don't have a garden. I say our garden like we have it. We don't have anything. But I watched her because my friend Ellen, that's like an old lady name and I love it. Um, She's probably watching online. Hi, Ellen. Um, uh, Ellen was out there and she was getting things already because when spring comes around, like that is her favorite time of year. We won't see her for months in the winter, but come the nicest day, she'll be out there. Today, the first day of spring. And I kind of saw her do something because she had kind of a pot that looked like this. All right. And she started preparing for spring. And I saw her the other day. She has like beautiful pots. And so what she did is she took like potting soil, just like this. And she started to dump in the potting soil. I have no idea what I'm doing now. Real talk. No idea. Um, And I watched her like a creeper. Like I'm just standing there watching her. And she started to pour all this potting soil in there. And then she took some seeds and she poured them out, and she started to plant the seeds like right. Is that a lot? That was so much more. It's so much. Okay, calm down. Are you a master gardener? My dad has a degree in agriculture. Oh my gosh! Please don't tell him to listen to this podcast or watch the live stream ever again. I'm totally like, going to kill these things. And so she put a, a few or 19 in there. I don't know what she did. And then she covered it up with another little thin. I feel like I just have to look at Coco to tell me exactly what to do. With another thin layer of soil. And then what she started to do is she took, and then she started to water. Am I going all right so far? I feel like I'm totally going to misjudge everything I've ever. And she like watered this. And then the greatest thing she did, it was the best thing ever. She stepped back and she looked at it like she was so proud of what she just accomplished. And she looked at it, and she, like, smiled at that thing. Like, it was the greatest thing in the world. But as I was thinking, I couldn't help but think 
of a story in the Bible. They call it a parable, and a parable when I, I was a PCS kid, and so they always called it an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's how I always remembered it back then. And there was this parable of this sower, all right? This guy that would go and just kind of spread seeds. And today I want to read it because this is going to kick off where we're going to go tonight in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, everyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't really understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So you see what it says in here. The seed is God's word, and the soil is us. And as I was thinking about this, I thought a little bit about, about seeds. And as you can see, I'm not a gardener. I don't know how to grow anything. But a seed contains life. And when a seed starts to grow, it kind of has works from the inward out. They start to see an inward change, and then it becomes an outward change. And I think that's so true in our life. As things start to grow, or things that start to happen inwardly, will eventually change our outward appearance. How we change and how we act with other people and what our lives start to look like. But a seed takes time to produce. You see, I can look at this right now and I can stare at it and nothing immediately is going to happen. It takes time to grow. It takes time to start to get where it's supposed to go. But ultimately, a seed does nothing unless it's planted. You see, we need to plant God's word inside of our lives, inside of our hearts, because as we start to spend time in God's word, there's three things tonight that I want to share with you that we need to do. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing is we need to water. Back in the day, I, I taught third grade for many, many years, and we did this Mother's Day program. And one of the things that we, that we did every year is we would take smaller pots and we would paint them, decorate them for Mother's Day. And then one year, we took soil and we planted flowers. And I went out to a, a local greenhouse and we planted the flowers and the lady across the hall had been teaching a lot longer than me. She probably had a beautiful garden back home, and she helped me every single step of the way. She told me all the steps that I needed to do. It had to have sunlight. We needed to water it. But that's kind of all she told me. And so what started to happen is each day I was like, we're going to plant these flowers. We're going to water them. Well, what started to happen is that I knew they needed sunlight, and so every day we would leave them right by the window. 
Well, apparently we were giving them too much sunlight because they were starting to wilt. And then what started to happen is every day I had no idea how much water to give them. So I would legit like take it and I'd be like, and I would just stand there like teaching the lesson and we'd be watering plants like this. And apparently I was giving them too, like, too much water. I guess kills flowers. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but it all started to die because I didn't take care of the seeds like they were supposed to. And sometimes when we look at individual seeds, we start to look at them and they look kind of dull and lifeless and, and even boring. And if I'm honest with you, that was how a lot of times I looked at the Bible. When I would open up my Bible, it looked really boring. I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. But then I read this verse in John chapter 6, verses 63. It says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see, Jesus said his word contains life. It's what we need to live. And see, I often talk to you about being intentional about your time with Jesus, carving out that time every day to spend with him. Because you can start to refute the lies that the enemy sometimes says about you, that God doesn't care about you, that this will always be the mess you're in, your life will never get better. Because if you don't know what God says about you, you will fall for the lies of Satan every single time. You see, because the devil even tried it with Jesus. There's a time in the Bible where Satan tries to tempt Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, it outlines that every single day, the devil came three times to tempt Jesus. But each time, he told scripture. Jesus refuted all the lies of the devil by telling scripture from the Old Testament, words that Jesus knew. And I think that's so important for us to have a firm foundation in God's word. So when the lies of the enemy come against us, we can refute it. We can say, that's not what God says about us, that's a lie of an enemy. There is a life beyond the lies. But you only know that when you're rooted, you'll never grow unless you go deeper. You see, our, our son Liam is 12 today, and a few days ago, we got him a new Bible because we've been talking about this at home, just the importance of spending time with Jesus, spending time in, in the Word every single day. And it, it, was, it was kind of funny. Um, I said to him last night, I said, hey, are you up to date on your reading plan that we're doing at Underground? He's like, yeah, I stopped doing that. I was like, oh, okay, pastor's kid. Well, oh, it's ballsy. Um, and, and he followed it up. He said, yeah, I'm not reading that. I'm just going to read the good parts of the Bible. I was like, okay, I can't fault that. But it was kind of cool because he had been reading um, in, in, in the Gospels, and he was kind of sharing some of the stuff that that God had been speaking to him and some of the things he was getting out of it. And in fact, he had read Luke chapter five and Luke chapter five is all about Peter and it's all about the fishermen and, and they weren't catching any fish. And, and what we saw is that Jesus said, just go deeper, just go deeper and kind of begrudgingly and without really even wanting to do it, we see Peter go a little bit deeper and it says that his nets were filled to overflowing because he caught so many fish and they brought it back and the coolest part about it is that when they came back it says when Simon Peter realized what had happened he fell to his knees before Jesus and said oh Lord please leave me I'm such a sinful man for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him his partner John the sons of Zebedee were also amazed Jesus replied to Simon don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything 
and follow Jesus. See, I'm always struck by that last line. They left everything. You see, when Liam read that, he was talking to Rachel and I, and he said, do you guys realize that when he learned about Jesus, when he grew in friendship with Jesus, he didn't tell his parents he was leaving. He didn't tell his friends. He just followed Jesus. Can I tell you, that was such a good reminder for me for my 12-year-old, because there's so many times in my life that I don't want to do what God says, and God said, just follow me. Just do what I say to do. They had a total abandonment to Jesus, and they just stepped out into what God was calling them to do. You see, my challenge to you tonight is just go deeper into everything that he has for you. You see, the second thing we need to do is to weed. And I'm not talking about pot, so just get it out of your head right now. Weed, like pulling weeds. I knew some of you would take that the wrong way. But second thing we need to do is weed. My, my Nana had this vegetable garden growing up, and she lived in Tremont. She was like one of those like people that lived in the country. And one of my least favorite things when I went over to her house is I, she would always ask me to go out there and help her pull weeds, and I hated I absolutely hated it. Um, but she told me the importance of it because when you start to weed stuff out, it helps the plants grow a little bit better. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it when I needed to do it. But can I tell you, I've also had to start to weed things out of my own life as well. Not just in a garden, but things that were not of God. You see, and sometimes when I would help my Nana in her garden, I would come and I would get cut up. And it would be messy. And my hands would hurt by the time I was done. But ultimately... I knew that there was a reason for what she had asked me to do. And just like sometimes in my life, there's a reason that Jesus asks us to do something that we don't like and it's hard and painful. Because in James 1, 21, it says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. You see, as I was learning about, about weeds and studying about it, I learned that weeds compete for soil and nutrients to help things grow. See, there's things in your life right now that are competing for your time. It could be great things like we said last week. It could be things at school. It could be sports. It could be a job. It could be a relationship. Now, they're not bad things, but if they're taking your attention away from God, man, we've got to start weeding some of those things out of our life. The other thing I read about weeds is that they start to crowd out everything else around them. You see, one single dandelion can produce 200 other dandelions. You see, it starts to crowd out the good things in our life. And I shared with you, you know, when I was about 20, 21 years old, I thought that I would just go to one party and that would be it. But that wasn't the case. That one party became a couple parties, became three or four parties. And before you know it, that overtook my life. Just like a dandelion in a field can overtake that entire field, the choices we make can change the trajectory of our life, and we have to start weeding some of those things out. You see, a couple of weeks ago, I told you this really, I guess kind of funny, but really embarrassing story about when I had this popcorn, I threw it all over my friend's car, and, and, and I say that not because it's a cool story, but just to show you how in a mess I became. And what started to happen is God started to turn my heart back towards him. And in that moment, in that season of my life, I had to start weeding 
things out of my life. Because I was starting to go down a path that was not the best that God had for me. And so I had to start weeding certain friends out of my life. I had to start weeding certain movies and music I was listening to. Because I've told you before, that kind of stuff can start to change how you think, can start to change how you speak. And so there were times that I just had to start weeding those things out of my life. You know, I talked to somebody just recently, and, and one of the things that they shared with me is I said, hey, what's going on in your life? And they were struggling with, with just going down a, a wrong with some stuff. And I said, what, what's the culprit behind that? And they said, you know the thing that I struggle with the most? And it kind of gave me an unexpected answer. They said, Netflix. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And they're like, well, I don't know if you know this, but you can go down a path and you can find stuff on Netflix that you can't really find anywhere else. And, and like, I actively search for stuff that just kind of fills this void and, and this lust that I'm dealing with. And so what I legit had to do is I had to cancel my subscription. I had to take it off my PlayStation because I was so tethered. I was so called. I was so pulled back into these things. And I couldn't do enough to get rid of it. You see, that was amazing because I often say, do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. See, I've been there. When I think I've been strong enough to do things, I can do it all on my own. But in those moments, I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't strong enough to push back against the devil. And so I had to start weeding things out of my life and it was painful and it gets a little bit messy at times and your relationships suffer but ultimately we have to do that to step into all that God has for us and the third and final thing is just wait I'll tell you that's probably the hardest thing in the world for me to do just ask my family just ask the people that are closest to me I had to fill out something just the other day and it said it asked you to list your strengths and your weaknesses And I'm terrible with stuff like that, but weakness number one, I wrote down impatience. Like I'm that guy when I go to the grocery store, I will scope out all the checkout lanes and I will never go, this is gonna sound really bad, you can write me an email later. I will never go to the one that has the old lady that's like checking you out because she generally takes forever. I will find young people that look like y'all and I'm like, that's the, that's the one I'm going to go to because I know they'll be quick. They won't want to talk to me. They'll bag my stuff and off I go. I'm the same way like when I stop at, at, a, at a red light. Like some of you, I will pull out my phone and just check to see what y'all are doing like on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. Like I'm impatient. You see, and sometimes we get in this thing and we get impatient and we want God to answer our prayers right then and there. We want God to intervene in our, our life. We want God to show up right there, right then, and we want it to happen immediately. But I'll tell you, as a guy who's followed Jesus for probably 35 years of my life, that's not always the way that God works. You see, seeds don't grow overnight. You see, when I was at my Nana's house and and we would go and we would plant seeds, I remember one morning, she said, we're going to go plant some seeds. And we went out there in the heat of the day and we just planted all day long. We came home, ate dinner, I went to bed that night, and I got up very early the next day, and I raced outside. And I went into her garden, and I was a little bit disappointed, because I thought those seeds were going to turn into this amazing vegetable garden overnight. 
But you see, that's not what happened. It took time for those seeds. And sometimes we get impatient. And sometimes what we do is we start to dig it up and we try to plant it somewhere else. We don't want to wait. But I'll tell you, when you try to do that, it takes twice as long. Or sometimes when we have something, we just walk away from it. We stop watering it. We start pulling the weeds. I'll tell you, when you start to do that, those seeds will never, ever grow because we quit too soon. We're too impatient. And we ultimately can never step into the destiny and the purpose that God has for our life. You see, that's why it's so important to stay planted. If you come here on a Wednesday night, man, I can encourage you, continue to come back. If you have a church, whether it's Riverside or another church that you go on Sunday morning, continue to do that. If you have a group of people and you're doing a book study together or a Bible study together, continue to do that. Continue to stay planted and rooted in people that are just encouraging you to go after God because I'll tell you, it's so important. I guarantee you it will change the trajectory and the direction of your life if you remember to stay planted right where you are among the people of God. You see, the power comes from staying planted, from staying rooted, and when you do that, amazing things will start to happen. You see, the Word of God, it takes time to start growing, to start taking root in our lives, and sometimes if we've never read the Bible and we open it up and we try for a day or two and it seems like something isn't happening, keep going. Keep persisting, keep reading, keep being intentional in your time with God, and sometimes it feels like I'm not making any progress, can I tell you, God is always working. Even when you can't see him, even when you can't feel him, God is always doing something new in your life. You see, I often say, we're not waiting on God, we're waiting with God, because he's there with us. Even when it feels like I can't see him, can I tell you, progress isn't always visible. Sometimes it takes to get through a season and you can look back and I often say, God's fingerprints have been on my life over and over again. You see, I was talking to my, my brother Saturday night and it was absolutely crazy. Um, we were just reminiscing about our lives and he's brilliant. I have a brilliant, stinking brother. He's 31 years old. He works at U of I. He's going back to get his PhD next year. And you see, we grew up in this low-income apartment complex. And we were just sitting there and talking about, like, how crazy our stories became. Because I think a lot of people that grew up with us would have written us off and said, man, those guys are never going to accomplish anything. But you see, God gave us an amazing, amazing life beyond anything that we could ever have even imagined that he took us places beyond our minds could have ever gone. And you see, I think back on that, and there were so many times I just wanted to quit. There were so many times I just wanted to walk away. There were so many times where I just started to buy into the lies that other people were saying, and yeah, we're not going to accomplish anything. But you see, God was doing something in my heart. God has started to speak to me and say, hey, I'm not done with you. I've got a plan and a purpose, and it's going to take you on an adventure beyond any you could have even imagined. And, and I'll tell you, this last week has been incredibly difficult for our family with a variety of different things. You see, uh, we know somebody who, who just found out they were getting a divorce, somebody else uh, who had a, a miscarriage very early on in their pregnancy, 
somebody else who's going through some legal kinds of stuff. And as I was sitting there just thinking about all of that, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to throw the towel in. But you see, there's a verse that I've clung to over and over again. And if you take nothing else from this, maybe this verse, you need to come back to it tonight. Or maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard it. But I'll tell you, this verse from Psalm says, sustain me in times when things are so overwhelming. And I think God's forgotten about me, but I stay rooted to the truth of what he says about me, the plans that he has for my life. Write this down in Psalm 27. Verses 13 through 14. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You see, when you start to wait, watch and see what God does. You see, because just because you're under doesn't mean you're over. Just because you're going through stuff, that doesn't mean that's going to dictate the rest of your story. Just keep going. Just keep dreaming. Just keep fighting. Just keep believing that God has a path for you. And I'll tell you, I'm a living example of when you can get yourself tethered to Jesus and believe that the best is just around the corner. He will start to do amazing things in your life. I am so blessed. I may not have a lot of money in the bank. We might drive junky cars, but man, God has blessed me in a way that I could not even articulate in the remaining moments that we have together here. You see, that tiny seed starts to grow. That tiny seed, when it stays planted, it starts to get closer and closer to the sun, and it turns into something beautiful, something magnificent. And I say all that because there is a beautiful end to your story. The next chapter, no matter what you're going through right now, keep persisting because God is writing a beautiful, amazing next chapter beyond any that you could ever have even imagined. You see, don't despise small beginnings. You see, a giant oak tree always starts from a tiny acorn. That tiny acorn that seems like nothing, it seems insignificant, when that gets planted and it gets rooted and it stays underground, it starts to grow. And it's not right away, it's not immediate, but it grows into something amazing. And so that's my challenge for you tonight. Water, weed, wait, and finally just watch what God starts to do in your life. Believe it, no matter what you're under right now, stay planted. Because God's going to get ready to write something incredible. And I hope that you'll look back weeks, months, maybe even years from now and say, God started to do something in my life when I just stayed faithful. When I kept believing that the best was still to come for me. And that's my prayer for you tonight. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for these leaders. I thank you for their faithfulness in coming week after week and some that are here for the first time. God, I pray that we would never get discouraged in the slow progress. But God, we believe that when we stay rooted to you, when we remain planted, when we remain open 
to spending time with you in your word, when we spend time being open to whatever you want to speak to us, God, that you start to grow us in ways beyond any we could ever have even imagined. And so, God, I pray for every single person that can hear the sound of my voice tonight, that you would just be with them, that you would shower them with your love, that you would come close to them and they would see that their best days are still to come, that no matter what they're going through, you always have a purpose for our lives, God. I thank you for each and every person here tonight. I pray that you would get them home safely tonight and we'd all come back again next Wednesday, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us in spite of us so many times. We love you, Jesus, and in your name, amen.